0: Section twenty two of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint. Part four The Queen of Life. Chapter nine. The Survival of All. Somehow all four were unwilling to press this question. It did not seem possible that Estra was right, or if he was, that they could possibly understand his explanation, should he give it. The cars flew side by side for perhaps a hundred miles, while the visitors put in the time in examining the landscape, with the never-ending interest of all aeronauts. Here and there, in that closely packed surface, a particularly large building was to be noted every half-mile or so. Factories," asked Billy of Astra, but he shook his head. "I'll show you factories later on," said he. "What you see are schools." But most observers would have considered the structures severely plain for their purpose. After a long silence, "I am still looking for streams," said Van Emmon to Myron. "Are your rivers as large as ours?" "We have no rivers," was the calm reply rivers are entirely too wasteful of water all our drainage is carried off through underground canals you haven't done away with your oceans too have you the geologist asked rather sarcastically but he was scarcely prepared for the reply he got no we couldn't get along without them i am afraid however we did the best we could in their case and without signalling to estra she dove the machine towards the ground Smith looked for the telephone wires to snap, but Estra seemed to know, and instantly followed, Myron's lead. The doctor noticed and wondered all the more. And then came another surprise. As the machines neared the surface, a familiar odor floated in through the open windows of the aircraft, and the four found themselves looking at each other for signs of irrationality. A moment, and they saw that they were not mistaken— For although that kaleidoscopic expanse of buildings showed not the slightest break, yet they were now located on the sea, the houses were packed as closely together as anywhere, apparently all were floating, yet not ten square yards of open sea could be seen in any one spot. Van Emmon almost forgot his resentment in his growing wonder. "'That gets me, Myron. Those houses seem to be merely floating, yet I see no motion whatever.' "'Why are there no waves?' "'The doctor snorted. "'Shame on you, Van. "'Don't let our friends think you are an absolute ignoramus,' he added. "'Venus has no moon and no wind, at least under the roof. "'Therefore, no waves.' "'Smith put in. "'That being the case, there's no chance to start a wave-motor industry here. "'Neither,' as he thought further. "'Neither for water-power.' "'Having no rain in your mountains, Estra, where do you get your power?' "'But it was Myron who answered. "'I suppose you are all familiar with radium. "'It is nothing more or less than condensed sunlight, "'which in turn is simply electromagnetic waves, "'although it may take your scientists a good many centuries to reach that conclusion.' "'Well, every particle of the material which composes this planet contains radioactivity of some sort, and we long ago discovered a way to release it and use it. One pound of solid granite yields enough energy to, well, a great deal of power.' They had now been flying for two hours, and still no end to the thickly housed, ever different appearance of the ground. Also, although they saw a great many birds, they noted no animals— finally billy could hold in no longer are we to understand she demanded of estra that the whole of this planet is as densely populated as we see it just that replied the venusian why not the roof makes our climate uniform from pole to pole while our buildings are such that whether on land or on sea they are equally livable but estra expostulated the girl Venus is nearly as big as the Earth, and it looks to be as thickly populated as-as Rhode Island. Why, you must have a colossal population. Let me see, and she scribbled away in her memorandum book. But both Smith and the doctor had already worked it out. They looked up, blinking dazedly. Over three hundred billion, murmured the doctor, as though dizzy. The Venusian checked Smith's correction with. "'You dropped one cipher, doctor. There are three and a half trillion of us.' "'Good Lord!' whispered Van Emmon. All his antagonism gone for the moment, and again the explorers were silent for a long time. "'By and by, however, we have just seen what it meant there on Mercury,' said the doctor in a low voice, "'for the principle of the survival of the fit to be carried to its logical end.' For who is to decide what is fitness save the fittest? One man apparently outlived everyone else on the planet, and then he also died. But here you have gone the limit in the other direction. Of course we might have known that you long ago abolished poverty, unearned wealth, pestilence, drunkenness, and the other causes of premature death, but as for three and a half trillion—nevertheless, remarked Myron, every last one of us, once born, lives to die of old age, and in most cases this means several hundred of your years. Smith involuntarily rubbed his eyes, and they all laughed a nervous sort of a laugh, which left the visitors still in doubt as to their senses, and their guide's sanity. Van Emmons' suspicions came back with a rush, and he burst out, say you'll excuse me but i can't swallow this here you've shown us houses as thick as leaves not a sign of a farm much less an orchard no vegetation at all except for a few flowers three and a half trillion all right let it go at that out came his chin and he brought one fist down upon the other as though he were cracking rocks with a hammer and with every blow he uttered a word how do you feed them all End of section 22.